Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Yellowstone, established through an act signed by Ulysses S. Grant, was the nation's first national park, March 1st, 1872. It's getting late, sir. I was wondering, are we through for the evening? Well, we're through with work, Josh. But this part's fun. I'm a national park buff, Josh. I'm sorry, sir? I say I'm a national park buff. I'll bet you didn't know that about me. Well, I, I, I didn't know that about you, sir, but I'm certainly not surprised. Why is that? You're quite a nerd, Mr. President. Really? Yes, sir. Is it nerd-like to know that Everglades National Park is the largest remaining subtropical wilderness in the continental United States and has extensive mangrove forests? Just a little bit, yes. There are 54 national parks in this country, Josh. Please tell me you haven't been to all of them. I have been to all of them. I should show you my slide collection. Oh, would you? Grand Canyon, Bryce Canyon, Badlands, Capitol Reef, Acadia, which is so often overlooked. You should... Certainly feel free to keep talking, but I need to go home so that I can be back in my office in four hours. Dry Tortugas, Petrified Forest, North Cascades, Joshua Tree, Shenandoah National Park, right here in Virginia. We should organize a staff field trip to Shenandoah. I could even act as the guide. What do you think? Go to places any to dump your body. What was that? The Bob Seska Show. Bob Seska. Things are going to start happening to me now. The Bob Seska Show. From our nation's capital, it is Wednesday, March 16, 2022, and this is the interview edition of the Bob Seska Show on the Sexy Liberal Podcast Network. Hi, I'm Bob. Hello, Bob. Hi. Day 422 of the Biden-Harris administration, 235 days until the 22 midterms. I'm on Instagram, TheBobSeska is my handle. Twitter, BobSeska underscore go. Memorize it, if you will. Okay, how you doing? I hope you're not too freaked out by the endless fire hose of potentially world-ending calamities. I think that's one of the reasons why I think you'll dig today's show. Rocky Mountain Mike, a.k.a. Mike Hardiman from The Stephanie Miller Show, is here today. And I originally intended to ask him about Russia, no-fly zones, all that crap. But we ended up spending most of the hour talking about national parks. Mike's an accomplished photographer on top of being a broadcaster and comedy writer. And he spent years photographing the parks. Needless to say... He's an expert. So this was a hell of an excellent break from the chaos. Links in the description under this episode at bobseska.com for all of Mike's things, including his photography website. Meanwhile, think about supporting this show by signing up for our bonus content at bobseskashow.com. So this is me and Rocky Mountain Mike talking about fun things. Bob 
Saska plays more music. Oh, by the way, people in the chat room for the second time have complained about uh, your microphone placement on the Stephanie Miller show. But what, being too quiet? No, it's just right in front of your mouth, and so we don't see your mouth. So, <laughs> is, you, that, you, is that the problem, that people don't see my mouth and there are complaints well, well, hey, because of... Uh, here's a suggestion. Take it. You know, I know how much I like suggestions. Um, bring it in from the side, you know. But yeah. are you serious? People are complaining that they can't see my mouth. Really? Yeah. Oh, God. Well, they aren't complaining. They 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 like you. They just they just don't like the way that looks. You know, it it, right. it just looks kind of funny. It looks like you're behind. Well, you are. You're behind something. You know? Is everyone cool with my wardrobe at the very least? <laughs> I mean, I hope you don't mind. I, I didn't. I didn't wear a suit for today's show. <laughs> Did you see that tweet from Peter Schiff today? He no. uh, he complained that Zelensky only wore a T-shirt when he addressed oh. a joint session of Congress. That he should have gone home and picked up a suit in Jesus order to present Christ. himself to Congress. His home is probably rubble right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah he's running for his life, the and they're complaining about a fucking suit. I mean, granted, this is Peter Schiff. He's not much of a big deal. He's the chief economist and global strategist at Europac.com. Oh, so uh, I don't know what that even means, but apparently he's like a clothes horse. He's like Joan Rivers on the red carpet. Why didn't Zelensky? My God, the disrespect. He should be the chief executive of Eurodick. <laughs> so, hey, I, uh, I missed this yesterday because we were recording the show when it came down. What the hell did Bobert say about Lieutenant Corporal? She said that she had, I forgot what the quote exactly was. Mm -hmm. I I mean, I can look it up, but it's, she's, she referred to uh, having spoken to someone who was a Lieutenant Corporal. (laughs) And the first thing I thought of was that episode of MASH where they first introduced BJ and Hawkeye makes radar parade around as a corporal captain. (laughs) Just a new rank. New rank they're experimenting right. with. And, and <laughs> I got that one a lot on Twitter. Oh, uh, yeah. Including mine. Here Thank we you go. very much. Here, yeah. here we are from the Daily News. Okay. Um, she said she thanked the mother of a lieutenant corporal. Let's see. Uh, claims that a few parents of U.S. soldiers killed in Afghanistan reached out to support her after she interrupted President Biden's uh, State of the Union earlier. One of them she claimed was the ma- was the mother of a lieutenant corporal. Dumb to so, dumb, dumb, dumb. Yeah. So, and then the Alexander Vindman pointed out there's no such thing. He said, so what is the nationality of the mother who thanked her? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, lieutenant he quoted corporal. that. Wow, wow, yeah. Well, yeah, uh, and I said, I said, it's going to take an army of lieutenant corporals to take down the gazpacho police. This <laughs> is perfect. Yeah, and, and by the way, Lauren Boebert was one of, uh, what was it, 13 Republicans who voted against the embargo on Russian oil. She was all for bringing in more Russian oil into the United States. That's how she oh, voted. okay. So, yeah, you can't take anything she says seriously. when it, At least, uh, well, yeah, uh, about anything. <laughs> I was just about to say about Russia. But well, you no, know, and I don't nothing. know yeah. what the exact figures are in terms of how much Coke money she takes, you know, but. Yeah, yeah. 
So uh, speaking of Russia, what are they saying about Ukraine in your very red part of the world? What's the scuttlebutt I, down there? I, I I swear to God, man, I haven't left the house in two weeks. <laughs> really? You know? Are you serious? No. Yeah, I'm on I'm on vacation. Oh, nice. So I just immediately went to the Outer Banks with the doggy with my new camper. <laughs> yeah. To give that whole setup, you know, with the dog and the camper and everything, I haven't ever done that before. Uh, and I haven't ever taken a camper somewhere where I didn't have an electric hookup, so I'm testing the solar and the generator and everything else, you know. Yeah, how did, uh, how did um, that work out? How do the solar panels work out as far as uh, I maintaining you know, I enough power I, for you to run things? Uh, you know, the, what they do is they charge the battery, so it's a, okay. it's a matter of how much do they charge the battery. And I don't have a, a really good battery meter installed yet. I mm. bought one. I just haven't installed it yet. Okay. So I'm not really able to tell just how much it gave me. But at this time of year, and I only had them out for maybe three hours or four hours. Yeah. Um, I, I'm not sure. But, you know, I, I have 200 watts of solar panel. Well, I think uh, Buzz was concerned <laughs> a couple of weeks ago that- About uh, the studio? Yeah, whether you could actually <laughs> record song parodies in your RV. Well, it, what's nice about this model of trailer is in order to keep the condensation to a minimum, uh, the, the walls are lined with carpet. <laughs> really? Yeah. Wow, and, okay. Uh, so it's it's already set. It's just, it's just and there are windows, you know, with shades. But um, I, I actually am planning on doing this. You know, those uh, semi-cylindrical uh, backdrop things you have for a microphone? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Like, they go around, you know, th those do a really excellent job of deadening everything. And, you know, you can get one for like 150 bucks. So uh, uh, when I hit the road, I'm going to get me one of those. Nice. So, so, you're gonna so be I, I, I will be continuing to, you know, do everything. So. All right. That sounds great. Well, like you and uh, Chris Lavoie, I'm a total like national parks nerd. But I, you know, I've got the passport stamp book and everything. I collect that shit. And uh, but I oh, haven't, yeah. I haven't had the time to make it to some of the the big national parks. I mean, that's kind of the contradiction here is that I love the national parks. I support the national parks. I've visited dozens of them, but I haven't really gotten to any of the big ones. So if you were to put together like a list of like the top five must see national oh, parks yeah. in the United States. Which ones would they be? Like, what would be at the top of your list? Or if you want to start at number five and work your way up. <laughs> like what? Uh, gosh, I, I don't know if I could put them in order, but let me just tell you, um, Zion National Park, yeah. for me, is is probably number one. Mm -hmm. You know, or it, it'd either be Zion or Yosemite. But the thing about Yosemite, from a photographer's standpoint, yeah. Uh, I think it's a lot easier to get somewhat more original images out of Zion. I think from a, from the standpoint of just having fun, Zion is more fun. Yeah. Uh, hiking the Narrows there, taking the Virgin River hike up the Narrows where you're walking along and it points. It's only maybe 20 feet wide, but each side of the canyon goes up 3,000 feet. Jesus. Uh, that's pretty spectacular. Yeah. You know? yeah. Um, that's, it, it's just, it's just so much fun. I've never been there. Even when I've been there and there was no way it was going to be a picture because the water was flowing so much that it was muddy mm -hmm. and I couldn't take a picture. Even then it's just fun, yeah. you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I'd say Zion, Yosemite, um, Arches National Park, mm -hmm. uh, Canyonlands National Park, you know, those are both around Moab. Yeah. I mean, Canyonlands itself is actually three different parks. It's got 
It's got the Islands in the Sky District. It's got mm-hmm. the uh, the Needles District, and it's got the Maze District. And it would take you to really thoroughly explore all three of those. It would take you like a month. That is a perfect time to have an RV for an exploration like that, right? Is there is there a place where you can park your RV and just explore around on foot? Or uh, well, yeah, I mean, there's campsites, right? Yeah, yeah. And uh, most of the national park campsite. Well, you know, some it depends on where you are, um, but. I'd say about half and half are, or half of them are, you have to make a reservation and half are first come, first serve. Interesting. So like another great park uh, that I was in uh, last year uh, or a year and a half ago was uh, Grand Teton National Park. Mm-hmm. And I just, you know, showed up at eight o'clock and just walked around this camp area until I saw somebody that was leaving and I got their campsite and I got to stay there for two or three days, you know, and it was a, oh, it was right on Lake Jackson. You could walk. Like, I'm not kidding, like 100 feet and be right on the lake and see Mount Moran and everything. It's just unbelievably gorgeous. And it was, you know, uh, with my senior discount. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) uh, It was like 12 bucks a night, you know. And Tetons, that's right next to uh, Yellowstone, right? It's all in the same neighborhood. Yeah. So you can kind of do both of those major, major national parks at the same same time, right? Uh Yeah. Although I must confess, I've never actually been to Yellowstone. Are you serious? That's yeah, one that yeah. you've never been to, huh? Wow. Right. But the the thing is that I'm all it's all about time and photography. Yeah. And I don't really like the photography I see from Yellowstone. It's just not my thing. Yeah. And I don't I'm not willing to give up an opportunity to shoot Teton for Yellowstone. So I don't ever go over there. <laughs> what do you mean by it not being your thing? Like, I'm curious as to uh, what qualifies well, someplace is, that's attractive for your photography. Yellowstone doesn't have, like like Tetons, you know, you've got, they just shoot right out of the plains. You oh, know, yeah, that's yeah. what makes them so dramatic. Right. Uh, but not, there's nothing like that in Yellowstone. Mm-hmm. They've got like a couple of decent waterfalls, but it's mostly about the geysers, you know. Yeah. And, and, and some, the wildlife. But I don't care about shooting wildlife. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just, you know, it's just not my thing. That's yeah. all. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's just more into so the landscapes. See. Yeah. It kind of so we got Zion, Yosemite, uh, Teton, and then I mentioned Canyonlands and Moab. So that's five yes. right there. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, I also love Mount Rainier and uh, like Bryce Canyon in Utah. Mm-hmm. Um, there's another one in Utah. Um, um, oh, my, my brain is not working. Uh, Capitol <laughs> Reef, I've never been to, but okay. that's going to be. You know, on my cross-country thing, I'll try to take that one in. So do you— The thing about national parks, though, yeah, especially this year, because the floodgates are going to completely go. I mean, this is this is going to be a much bigger year than last year as far as people getting out there. And last year mm. was a record uh, as far as people booking campsites. That's so great. Um, na- national parks are just magnets for people, especially during, you know, the summer months and stuff. Mm-hmm. So I typically avoid them like the plague during those times if I can. And I go to yeah. other places that are, you know, public lands and, and have things like wildflowers that I can shoot, but not necessarily national parks because it's just – uh, it's just too crowded. Well, what's great about that, and I'm so glad to hear that they were crowded last year and they're going to be even more crowded this year because it's still one of the most affordable yet one of the greatest places to go on vacation, especially if you have a family. Because it's like, yeah. what, 10, 10, 15 bucks to get a carload of people in the uh, front gates and then you're then you're all set. And I think some places they waive those fees uh, on occasion. So uh, They do on, uh, on some national holidays, on Veterans Day, for yeah, instance, yeah. That, yeah, those are free uh, national parks weekends mm-hmm. 
Um, and, you know, and I've got the senior uh, pass that I bought right when I turned 65 and it just, I happened to catch it like just a couple of months before they jacked up the rate. Yeah. So for the rest of my life, I can go to any national park for, and I paid for this thing. And I never have to pay another dime. It was $10. Oh <laughs> my God. That is, see, that's just incredible. One of the great things. And, and you know, you and I and the, the people, circle of people we uh, go around with, we spend a lot of time being critical of the United States. And 99% of the time, it's well-deserved. But at the same time, there are things that are absolutely gorgeous and irreplaceable about the United States and the national park system. I mean, the subtitle, yeah, the Ken and Burns and it's special. One of the, yeah. It's one of the few things that really unites yeah. almost everybody. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, across all party lines, everyone supports national parks. Certainly on the Republican side, they're more interested in leasing out big chunks of it to uh, private oil yeah, well, drillers. Yeah. That's actually not true. I think even Republicans, at least the ones that are – that you know, aren't just complete wackos, mm-hmm. uh, we'll draw the line at national parks themselves. I now, see. national forest land, uh, uh, leasing out that, and also BLM land, uh, you know, those are those are all different things. And so we, we tend to lump all that together and say that's national parks. But, yeah. you know, there is there is a distinction there. And I think even a lot of Republicans draw the line at 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 drilling in national yeah. parks. You know. With your photography, I mean, do you limit yourself specifically to national parks or do you do national forests, national battlefields, national cemeteries? I just go cemeteries. wherever something is yeah. unique or interesting to photograph, right, you know. Right. Uh, and like, that's why I was an Oklahoma photographer because I was living in Dallas and I was just getting into this and um, I discovered some places in Oklahoma that were really pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. That that had not really been done any kind of justice from the standpoint of a decent uh, landscape photographer. Yeah. Uh, so I just zoned in on that. So okay, I'm just I'm going to be the Oklahoma guy, and so I'd go my spend my weekends. I take my time off, and I'd cover the state because I wanted to get like the material for a calendar. Mm-hmm. And I ended up having an Oklahoma calendar for 17 years. Um, just because of that, yeah. uh, and and it was great because you would go somewhere and you would get this image and you realize, you know, nobody has really done this. Whereas if you go to Yosemite, you can throw a rock and hit a photographer. You know? <laughs> yeah, I imagine so. Is it one of those um, experiences that you would recommend maybe going around with a, a park ranger on your first visit and getting an overall sense of what well, the national park is that's all about? If you or? can get a park ranger, yeah. I mean, they're, you know, they're time, they're, they're, they're understaffed almost everywhere. Yeah. And what they do is they do, they do set times where they take people on nature walks and things like that. Mm-hmm. But you, what you typically do if you want to do something along those lines, you just go into the visitor center and ask. But really, uh, you get most of your information from other photographers. Mm-hmm. Um, so you'll you'll see a, an image and you you might you know do some research and find out where that was. I mean, when I started in the '90s, it was literally I was working at American Airlines and we would go on lunch. Uh, myself and a couple other people were interested in this, uh, would go to the bookstore. <laughs> yeah, fancy that. And, uh, yeah. And just, yeah, and just I would, I would literally do this. I would say, wow, that's cool, pointing at a picture of Red Rock Crossing of Sedona. Mm-hmm. And this is like a Tuesday. And Saturday morning, we're on our way to Sedona you know, <laughs> be- because you can fly for free. And, yeah, yeah. And I would, that's how I literally would do it. Just 
find a place in a book, okay, that's what I'm going to shoot. Is that is that how it started for you? Is that where the passion yeah. for it began? Well, you know, how it started was um, my, my co-worker, Bill Sazelski, who I, you know, I used to work with this guy at Tandy Electronics in like 1988. Wow. And then when I went to American Airlines, um, he came like a year after me. So we ended up both working there together for like eight years. Mm-hmm. And so one day I'm walking by his cubicle and he's got one of those Eckerd 16 by 20 posters you know where you give your film to the people and they make a little poster out of your picture and it was a picture of grand teton and i said wow that's what's that and he told me and i and i said oh, wait a minute you just got on a plane on saturday and just flew to jackson hole just to take that picture and he's like yeah and i was like <laughs> wait a minute <laughs> you mean i can actually do that yeah i talk about an aha moment yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> so so he actually turned me on to zion mm-hmm. so we would do these trips you know and i always i always uh made an analogy to like the apollo moon landings where you have a schedule you have so much time you have so much budget and and can you get out there and mm-hmm. bag a really great image during that course of time and get back to the plane and get back home you know everything. yeah yeah uh, and some, you know, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't, but yeah, I have to credit him for getting me. St- I didn't even own a camera at that moment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so we, we actually, our very first trip together to go shoot something was the very large array in New Mexico, the radios telescope. Oh yeah. Right, contact. Right. Yes. Yeah. So we actually got in touch with the, the people that run that and got permission. I had to get written permission to go and shoot. And we flew into El Paso and drove four hours to get there and napped out in the car for an hour and a half until the dawn came along and then shot. It just had an amazing morning with light and everything. And just you're out there and there's Mm. 27 of these radio telescopes and they all of a sudden all start moving because they're all going to track the next target. Yeah, sure. (laughs) And it's just and it's so silent except for that it's just jackrabbits and stuff yeah yeah uh, just really uh, just amazing amount of fun <laughs> i think a lot of people take them for granted I think it's this uh, incredible resource that we have, not only for vacationing, but seeing natural splendor and learning about the geography of the United States, the uh, incredible geography of this continent. And yeah, I mean, it's, uh, and so, it so is not people, uncommon yeah. in the Western national parks to encounter mostly European people. Right. And Japanese mm-hmm. uh, or Asian people, I guess. And, um, you know, just it's it's people. It's just not on their radar, Americans. Yeah. Uh, but I think it also it's it's like it's just it's associated with like the 50s and sort of square moments and things like that. It's it's just not, you know, it wasn't cool, I think. Yeah. Uh, but but because of the pandemic, I think a lot of people have been forced to think about not going to Europe and things and not not going to the Caymans or whatever. Mm-hmm. And like, oh, we can do this. And so I think I think the pandemic has turned a lot of people onto the experience of doing it. Okay, back with more Rocky Mountain Mike right after this. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery 
to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Bob Seska! Was the United States the first country to set aside national parks? Barack Obama is uh, narrating a new series, I think, for Netflix. And yeah. it's not just about the national parks in the United States, but national parks around the globe. And yeah, Yellowstone was the first one that was actually, and nation uh, worldwide, yeah. Yellowstone was the first one that was declared to be a national park, although Lincoln set aside Yosemite mm-hmm. um, and protected it, but it wasn't until after... Um, Yellowstone was made a national park, that Yosemite was made a national park. Mm -hmm. Uh, And yeah, that started, and then now it's a worldwide thing. It's incredible how they've endured as well, because especially watching the Ken Burns National Park series, and by the way, I love the subtitle of that series, America's Best Idea. And it really Uh is. It's truly the best idea that the United States has come up with. And uh, what's fascinating about that is the battle that has taken place since uh, when, the, when was uh, uh, Yosemite first established? It was uh, like, I want to say the 1870s, something like that. And uh, since Well, like that, I said, Lincoln actually uh, signed it to give it protection. So that would have been, I think, around 1863, I think. Okay. So when it first became established, when the National, I guess the National Parks Act was first passed by Congress, that would have been... That was much later. That was yeah. uh, that was Teddy Roosevelt's. So. Okay. So from that point forward, in fact, even prior to that, it's just been an ongoing battle to save them. And, and it hasn't, I guess, maybe not necessarily along party lines. It's been more of a natural resources versus corporations kind of thing. Right. Uh, and famously been, in that series, there's the guy who was actually the governor of Arizona at one time who was charging people to walk the Bright Angel Trail oh, yeah, uh, yeah. in, in uh, the Grand Canyon. <clears throat> and it, it took forever to get that guy out of there. Yeah, he yeah. was doing it illegally. And, um, uh, and, and, it, and Canyonlands was not established as a national park until 1980, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, and before that, it had been uh, the site of a, of a uranium boom. Yeah. And so when you go to visit Canyonlands, you can still see all the roads that were created for the uranium mining that will take, de- you know, centuries really to re- to to get back to their former. Yeah. And in fact, that's weirdly enough, maybe not necessarily the uranium mine, but one of my areas of interest when it comes to national parks and specifically national battlefield parks, which is primarily the, the parks I've visited, at least out here uh, on the East Coast. Uh, is the history of the tourism in these parks. Some of the ridiculous and dumb ideas that they've come up with as far as attracting tourists to national parks. Uh, for example, I, you know, I'm at Gettysburg all the time. And some of the things that they have put on that battlefield over the years have been utterly ridiculous. I mean, for the longest time, there was a Stuckey's restaurant right in the middle of the day three Pickett's Charge battlefield at Gettysburg. One of the most gruesome uh, battles on American soil in the history of the United States. And they put like a Stuckey's right there, right like right smack in the middle of it. And uh, And I I don't know if you're familiar with the uh, Yosemite Firefall. Oh, (laughs) Uh, yes, absolutely. uh, Every every night, um, 
for decades, they would, <laughs> you know, start a big fire at the top of El Capitan and just shove the, 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 you know, the embers, the flaming embers over the side as a, ooh. And they didn't stop doing that until 1971. God, what a dumb idea. Yeah, and and then with state parks, I I got familiar with this in Oklahoma. There's Alabaster Cavern State Park in Oklahoma, uh-huh. uh, where up, up until like ten years ago, they would have a spook show, like it was a haunted house. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> and and uh, Turner Falls, which used to be a state park in Oklahoma, is now owned by the city of Davis, Oklahoma. Um, I it's, it's so funny. They called me up and wanted a, one of my one of my images of Turner Falls to put in the city hall there. And I said to this woman while she was on, I said, by the way, can you explain to me they have going up the, it's a beautiful place, going up the river to where the the the, the waterfall is, were uh, life-size plywood cutouts <laughs> of Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. Oh, God. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. And I said, um, can you explain that to me? Yeah. And and this woman, she goes, well, got to give the people what they want. And I'm like, okay, now who came to you and said, oh, you know what would be geez. really great here? Yeah. Yeah. See, you and know right I, next to the waterfall, there is, I swear to God, there's a Subway sandwich right next to the waterfall. Of course there is. That's what happens when you turn it over to a city instead of a state. And I debate with myself all the time about shit like this. Mike, for example, going back to Gettysburg, talk about turning a place into a giant haunted house. Gettysburg is now all about the ghost tours. Every other, really? Oh, yeah. If you oh, go through the town, I, every other door is uh, a guy standing out there with tickets and Victorian garb. Uh, you know, leading ghost tours around the battlefields. And so now one of the main reasons people go to Gettysburg now is to look for ghosts. And on one hand, I'm like, this is such colossal horseshit. Granted, you know, when you go to Gettysburg, there was so much death and so much anguish there. And maybe it's uh, psychosomatic to an extent, but you can feel an energy about that place. You don't yeah. need to hype up some sort of ghost story around that energy. It's palpable. But the fact well, that at least is- it's restricted to people in the surrounding areas and yeah, the, the yeah. touristy aspect of it. You know, that's, well, there's almost no avoiding that. The way I kind of put myself at peace with the concept is that I hope people come for the ghost stories and stay for the history. You know what I mean? Right, Where exactly. the ghost stories well, same, bring them same into Same with the pandemic. You know, when people yeah. get out and actually put their feet on the ground in these places, uh, I'll never forget the first time I camped out in the Maze District of Cam- Canyonlands. I had a rented van, but I had swore myself, you know, I'm going to get out and pitch a tent tonight. I'm not going to stay in a hotel. Mm-hmm. And I had to because the place I was hiking to uh, to photograph these petro- these 5,000-year-old petroglyphs uh, was uh, you really had to be there early in the morning. Yeah. So the, and the closest, you know, the closest road is 20 miles away and, and the closest town is 50 miles away. Hmm. So I, I had this place, I'm, you know, it's perfectly legal to camp there. Uh, it looked like the crater of a moon crater or something. It was just this big sort of circular area and I sat there and watched the moon rise and looked at the stars and, you know, listened to my Vangelis music. <laughs> this was, I guess this was like 92 or so. Uh, but when you I, I do didn't, that. Wait a minute. I didn't, a, know, I didn't know you were a Vangelis guy. That's interesting. <laughs> you, you, are you serious? Because you know what? I, 
I have all of his albums with John Anderson because I, I, oh, I like okay. Yes. And so yeah. those are some of the most beautiful albums. Uh, Private Collection, oh, yeah. John and Vangelis is one of the most well, beautiful albums. Well, it started with Cosmos and then there was Blade Runner. And so yeah. I just ended up getting the whole catalog, you know. Uh, yeah. And that was my that was my stoner music, really, just right. to watch, you know. You know. But, oh, but yeah. to get up the Perfect. next morning and hike into this canyon and, uh, and look at this stuff that, and, you know, you're all by yourself, mm-hmm. you get into that mode for a few days and it's it's like something happens to your body hmm. you you the, it's I, there's some sort of calming effect of it all it just you you just completely lose track of the outside world hmm. and you're you're tuned into something different and i think hikes in the desert for, for some reason that does it to me Interesting. Um, and so like taking a hike through Escalante through the middle of Utah or something like that, it's just like, that is like Zen for me. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I, and, and the, the thing is you can't really explain it. You can't do it with a photograph or anything. You have to actually do this. And it's so funny because Kathy Yang is this uh, person I worked with and uh, bless her heart. She passed away 20 years ago, but uh, uh, you know, I explained this to her once I said, you know, I, if you get out on the Grand Canyon on a rafting trip and just a couple of days of that, it will change you. Hmm. And she said, no, it would not. It would not change me. <laughs> okay. okay. But, you know, it, you just – it's one of those things. That it, it will happen and mm-hmm. – you know, and it just, it's its like something inside of you goes, wow, wait a minute. Mm. There's like a completely other different side of everything that I just don't get in my day-to-day life. And yeah. for me, that's what I'm always going for is, is just that. And I can't, you know, you can't, I spent most of my time over those 30 years staying in hotels mm. because it was a matter of time and convenience and everything. Yeah. And the this RV trailer I bought is really just a way to do it as cheaply as possible. I would just as soon stay in a hotel. I don't care. I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm not really, uh, it, the only difference is if you're in a place where there is no alternative mm-hmm. and, and you have to do it to have the experience like hiking the, um, the, uh, the, the Mura trail or something like that in yeah. the Sierras somewhere, somewhere where you have to be on foot for two weeks or something like mm-hmm. that. That, yeah, that's a different experience. That's to me. I'm not really doing that for the pictures. I'm just doing that for the experience. And in fact, uh, you're channeling John Muir. Yeah, you mentioned the Muir Trail. That was uh, what like 95 percent of the things he wrote in his lifetime were all about communing with nature in these parks and defending that privilege to be able to do that. And uh, that was his life work. And yeah, and, and it, I firmly believe that that's that's why Teddy Roosevelt ended up being such a champion because he actually put his boots on the ground and yep. and 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 dragged other uh, powerful people out to experience that as well. And that led to Rockefeller being inspired, I think, to mm-hmm. to give up Grand Teton National Park and so forth. And uh, it's just a matter of experiencing it. Experiencing it. And um, that's just not something you can – there's no other way you can do it. You just got to go and stay and watch it happen. What about East Coast National Parks? What, what would you recommend that's within driving distance of people who live back here where we do, uh, you know? Uh, well, that's why Great Smoky Mountains is the yeah. most visited national park because right. it, it's close to Atlanta, Knoxville, Charlotte. Uh, you know, it's just – it's got so many major metropolitan areas around it where it's easily uh, obtainable. Um, so, and, like, for example, so, with the Smoky Mountain, 
uh, is there like a central site to see? Like, um, I think a lot of people have this impression that when they go to a national park, there's like, oh, well, the Yellowstone, it's the geysers. It's Old Faithful. They got to see Old yeah, Faithful. There's, I mean, the thing about Smokies is really, it's just, there's there's really only like two major roads that go through it. Uh-huh. There's a million hiking trails and it's, it's, you know, the vast majority of Great Smoky Mountains National Park is, you, you got to hike it. You know? yeah. And um, so... But it's no, it's not like that. I mean, there's a few waterfalls. There's a few little nice places that I and other photographers over the years have designated being like the places to photograph. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's not like Yellowstone where you've got Old Faithful and you've got Yellowstone Falls, and you know, so it's not it's not like that. It's more you're going for the trees and the and the rivers and just the nature part of it. But it's a big park. Uh, I love Acadia. And I want to get to I have my my friend Vernon McKimmy, who I used to work with in Tulsa Radio mm-hmm. in the early '80s. Uh, he's a big liberal on Twitter, and I'm always uh, liking and retweeting his stuff. He used to be the uh, talk about a dream job. He used to be the public relations guy for Roosevelt Campobello State Park up there in Maine uh, until he retired, and so he's still up there in that area. So I that's on my bucket list, and hopefully yeah. I'll do it this year. Is go up and do Acadia in the summer. Have you been down to Everglades yet? Have you been down there? No, is I that, haven't done that. Yeah, I, I've only been to Florida once, and that was to try to watch a space shuttle launch that got canceled. So, <laughs> <Okay>. uh, <laughs> so uh, then you uh, haven't I, been to Dry Tortugas either. <laughs> Actually, I did go to Florida on. Um, I, I was hired as a photographer for Pike Electric to uh, take take some pictures of some. Um, projects they had going, stringing power lines mm-hmm. uh, with various crews uh, on both coasts of Florida. And I did them both in two days. Uh, wow. So those two days and then trying to go see the shuttle launch, that's my entire Florida experience. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, <laughs> but, I, I I'd, think... love to, I'd love to see their Everglades. It'd be great. Yeah, I, I, think... love, I love cypress trees. I, you know, I love shooting them. Right, and Everglades, too, has uh, manatees. Uh, that's why I would go, to, to catch a glimpse oh, yeah, of the manatees yeah. before they're before See, they're my gone. thing on animals is a, a, an animal is an animal, and it's always going to be that animal. <laughs> and, and so <laughs> yeah, if, if you it. happen to catch it in a dramatic pose or something like that, I guess that's great. Um, but I'm just much more about the rocks and the trees and the, the other stuff. Do you, Stuff that doesn't move. <laughs> did you do you ever get asked stupid questions by tourists? Do people ever come up with you and ask uh, like really ridiculous questions? Like here's an example. Uh, you know, when I go to an, a battlefield park, uh, invariably I'm going to hear a question like, "Was that monument here during the battle?" And I got to go. <laughs> uh, yeah, in fact, it was. They. They had a time-traveling DeLorean, and they were able to get the monument up before the battle. It's an amazing story. And uh, yeah. usually that's when they walk away and, and ask someone else. But do you ever get any uh, ridiculous questions from people, or do you pretty much keep to yourself? Well, mostly it's my camera, because I have an 8 by 10 field camera yeah. that looks like it's from the 19th century, even though <laughs> oh, it was yeah, manufactured. Oh, I've seen it, right? Yeah, it's almost yeah, like a, it's, it look, almost looks like a glass plate uh, camera. Yeah, it's a big camera, yeah. and people automatically assume it's from the 19th century. Uh, so they <laughs> is is that an old timey camera? That's I get that one a lot, you know. Uh, do you and, have a and, and people gravitate to it? You know, yeah. I mean, it's just uh, uh, it's it's caused me to uh, uh, you know, uh, particularly if someone uh, comes up to me who 
might be someone that a superficial male might be interested in talking with. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I'll end up getting drawn into this conversation and end up totally fucking up all the pictures because I was distracted too much. You know? yeah, yeah. But it never fails. I, mean, I have the big camera. So, and, and this is the other thing that really gets me is you can be somewhere where there's nobody, nobody around at all. And then you set up the camera and then people's cars and their Winnebago's and everything start stopping and they just come over to where you are thinking that, <laughs> oh, well, he's got the big camera. He must know what he's doing. There's, there must be a good picture here or something. Remember when the, uh, they shut down the government in, I believe, 96? Oh, yes. Uh, I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. I showed up. I, I, had, I was working for American Airlines and I was working with a friend of mine in London and I had, hey, come over. We'll, we'll go to uh, Moab. Mm -hmm. And so he flies over uh, from England. And we, as soon as we get to the hotel, we discover the government's been shut down. Yeah. And and I ask I'm asking about the parks and it's well they're, they're closed because the government shut down and without missing a beat some guy in the lobby said it's Clinton's fault oh Jesus <laughs> obviously yeah and so um, that meant we couldn't go into the national parks but Dead Horse Point State Park which has a this beautiful bend of the Colorado River it was used to play the part of the Grand Canyon in the final scene of Thelma and Louise oh, wow um, so we decided okay we'll go there. Yeah. So Malcolm and I go there and we're the only ones there. And I set up my camera and pretty soon this guy comes along mm -hmm. and comes over to where we are. Not only is he like in close proximity, his tripod legs are actually overlapping my tripod legs. That's how <laughs> close. And we're the only people there. Yeah. And there's, you know, it's just this big expanse that goes on. Right, right. And I turn around to Malcolm, who just caught a picture of me, and I've got this look on my face like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> it's like sitting in a movie theater that's empty, and someone comes in and sits down right in front exactly. of you. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or if you go camping and it's an open space, and everybody, people can just go mm. right next to you. You know, there is, there is... There's some sort of, uh, you know, herd mentality thing going on there. But, but yeah, the big camera does that. People just, yeah. like, you know, go... But uh, as far as stupid things... Uh, high on my list is like the, um, I believe they were Brits and they had their toddlers with them sitting on the edge of the Grand Canyon. It's 1600 feet straight off the edge of this thing. <laughs> and these kids are no, they're no older than three or four years old. Mm -hmm. And all it takes is just one slip up and yeah. they're gone. Yeah. And, and, and these people are acting like this, it, there's just this thing that people are unable to distinguish between going to a national park and like going to an IMAX theater or something. I know. They don't realize the danger that they're in a lot of the times. Yeah. And I, I include myself in that. I, you know, I've, I've been lost. I've, I've had, you know, near death experiences because of my own stupidity in national parks. Yeah. And there is a sense of danger there. I mean, I lived very close to Hawaii volcanoes national park and I was there a lot, spent a lot of time there uh, in the five years I lived in Hawaii and I always got that sense of palpable danger, like something could go horribly awry. We're at the whimsy of geology here, and suddenly we're stuck in the path of, uh, you know, 30 mile per hour lava flows. And so well, I, I, I always had that. Average, yeah. Ahead, no, I was just going to say, I always had that realization when I was there. It was beautiful to see, and I loved being uh -huh. there. But on the other hand, there was that kind of daredevil idea about I, it, too. I believe the average uh, is 11, is the number of people every year that just fall off the edge in Grand Canyon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like that. Yeah, yeah. There and, are lots, and, of, and, lots of pictures at volcanoes, too, of people falling and into— And the other uh, thing they do yeah. there is people go down hiking into the canyon, bringing with them 
a Pepsi. You know? <laughs> God. And, and yeah. you know, almost it have to be airlifted out from dehydration before they get to get back, you know. <laughs> right, right. And that's and that's just normal. I, that, that's what I mean is like those are things that just look like, oh, I can I can go down there. Uh-huh. That's not a big deal. It's not like mountain climbing or something. You don't really understand how quickly you could be in some real serious shit. Yeah. And and that's there, there's also the idea of going out by yourself and getting lost, which I did at, at White Sands National uh, it was just a monument then. It's National Park now. Mm-hmm. This was '94, uh, and I got lost. I was out all night long, a missing hiker, and they got into my car. And the park rangers did to. They found my passport in my car. They called my house and left a message on my machine to please wow. get in touch with them. Meanwhile, I'm out on the dunes trying to find my way back to the road, and I can't find it. And uh, I was out there for nine hours. Uh, until I, I finally found the highway. I mean, I knew where the highway was, but I knew also it was 11 <laughs> miles. And so I had I had to hike those 11 miles between 6 p.m. and midnight um, with only just one of those Evian little quart bottles, you know. So what's going through your head as you're spending nine hours out there? Are you thinking, oh, shit, I'm going to die out here? Did <laughs> panic set in at any point? No, not really, because I, I knew that I could eventually get to the highway, but I was obviously cursing myself. I was thinking about my girlfriend, mm-hmm. uh, but I wasn't, you know, that was actually the, the woman I was dating at the time. It was more about, I was thinking about the problems we were having with our relationship. <laughs> <laughs> so so you sound like a pretty even-keeled guy. Like, you're lost, you have no way back to the road. Well, see, that's the deal. I, I could see the stars, yeah. so I knew which way was north and south. The only thing I didn't know was where the road was. Uh-huh. And the road was not laid out the way that I thought it was. It kind of went in, in a southwest or southeast and northwest direction. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I could see the, the lights of Holloman Air Force Base. I could see the lights of uh, Alamogordo, and I could see the lights of Las Cruces, and uh, I could also see the stars. So I knew which way was south, and I knew if I just went due south that I'd eventually hit the highway. Yeah. Um, so, But what was really di- disappointing about that was when I got to the highway, I didn't know if I needed to go east or west to hit the visitor center. So I went like west for like a mile and realized, eh, that's no, it wasn't a mile. It was an hour. I hiked an hour west and realized, yes, it can't be that way. So I turned around and hiked an hour or two hours back east. And all the time, there's cars going by. And I'm, like, trying to, you know, flag somebody. And I was in the middle of the night, you know. Yeah, yeah. In the, in the middle of New Mexico. And uh, finally, a trucker called the sheriff's department. And they sent a deputy out to pick me up. He took me back to the park. Uh, they opened up the park because they closed it at night. They opened yeah. up the park to take me back to my car, and uh, then I went to directly to um, um, hello. <laughs> uh, went, I went directly to uh, hello. What's the chain of restaurants? Uh, <laughs> what? Which? Uh, where do you go to get breakfast? <laughs> Denny's. Denny's. Yeah. Okay. Man. All right. Cool. Shit. <laughs> I went directly to Denny's and bought like everything, you know. Okay. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And and so, um, yeah, that was wild. And because I, I, my plan was to just go out there and shoot the sunset uh-huh. and then come back home on the on the red eye yeah, back to yeah. Dallas. 
so I ended up like standing by to get on by like on a, on a 10.30 a.m. flight out of El Paso. And I'm, I'm there and then like everybody's on the plane and they finally call my name to go in and I go into coach and I was like, there's not a seat here. And the flight attendant just points to a first class seat and said, we'll just sit here because we're pushing off at this point. Mm-hmm. And I sit down in this first class seat. I'm co- I'm just, I got sand all over me. <laughs> I look like some prospector, you know? And, yeah. and uh, she goes, you got lucky this time. I said, I deserved it this time. <laughs> Okay, one last break. Back with more Mike right after this. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. More fun, more music, the Bob Seska Show. What do you recommend, I think, for people who like to go off the beaten path? I know when I go to a national park, I like to take the road less traveled. Are there contingencies that you would recommend for people as far as safety goes, as far as, well, well if water, they find and, themselves you know, lost? And, and in places where it's appropriate, bear spray. Yeah. Um, Bear spray. I was, huh? I was at uh, uh, Glacier National Park, and I had to I had to give up my uh, idea of what I was going to shoot because of grizzly activity on the trail. Oh Jesus! But they had shut down the trail, so you don't want to mess around with those people when they say they're grizzlies. You yeah. don't want to question that. Yeah, right. <laughs> oh, sure. They say this all the time. Yeah, no, you want to be like that. Is there, if you don't have the bear spray, is there some other thing you can do to ward off the bears? Like, I I always hear like, what you need to do is, you know, don't even listen to me on this because I've I've only run into bears a couple of times and that was in my car. I'd see them and they were little, (laughs) little cubs. Yeah, yeah. I've never run into a bear on a trail before, but. Listen to the latest Seth Rogen podcast because he knows uh, – it's just like a person who's related to somebody he knows or something like that uh, in, Can- in Canada that was mauled by a grizzly bear. And uh, this wow. guy grew up in the woods. He was you know, he was thoroughly familiar with how to handle himself and everything and was lucky to live through it. It's a great story. Uh, I would direct people to that, you know. Yeah. Uh, but, as, but as far as like getting off the beaten path, I mean, there are – and let's just get rid of the danger part of it. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I tend to try to avoid going places where it's just going to be me for more than a couple of hours at a time. Yeah. Or, or I know that there's not going to be anybody around. I really kind of avoid that because I've run into rattlesnakes and stuff. And uh, so it's just a matter of – you know, common sense as far as going alone. Yeah. Because if you, you know, you'll end up like 127 hours or something, you know, you just never know. Right, right, right. Well, Jesus, Mike, I'm so glad we had an opportunity to talk about this shit. Uh, I had no idea. I had no intention of spending the uh, the hour talking about national parks, but I'm so glad we did. It's a nice departure from talking about the existential threats that we face every day. And, and by the way, yeah. speaking of that, how do you how are you holding up with regard to following all of these news events every day? Because I was just talking with Kimberly the other day and, you know, I don't remember any other time in which 
we have gone from one existential threat to another existential threat to another one to another one to another one. And it's, uh, I think it's wearing on a lot of us. I think we're all at some level yeah. of low frequency stress because yeah, of it. I, I don't think that really dawned on me until today when I heard Stephanie Miller mention it or somebody. So, you know, it was along the lines of like, first we had COVID, now we got the Russian thing. Yeah. And, and, um, you know, and I think for a lot of people, the Russian thing is actually more of a threat, but, mm-hmm. but, uh, I don't think it's really dawned on people yet. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that potential there. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm just here in this little town of 20,000 people and I've been working for, uh, on a contract for what was supposed to be five months. It's been a solid year now. Mm-hmm. And I've just kind of had my nose down in this code I'm writing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm just, I've, I've really, uh, that's kept me away from like doing a lot of my bits and songs and things. Uh, part of it is just the time constraint there because I can't stay up late. I, yeah. I really, I got to get all my sleep because I have to be alert all day for what I'm doing. I know what you mean. Um, and plus I have a freaking dog now and that, <laughs> <laughs> that, that takes away a certain amount, number of hours out of my day. What's your dog's but name also, again? Sophie. Sophie. Oh, cute. Yeah. She's nice. Yeah. She's really adorable. Yeah. And, um, you know, I don't know what I was thinking. <laughs> I got this dog, but he's really cute. Uh, now um, you're stuck. But, yeah. yeah, I know. Um, but I, you know, the, I've, I've, I've really held off on doing anything about Russia in terms of like funny songs and stuff because yeah. it's not funny to me at all. And it, you know, most people are this way about Trump and things like that. You know, mm. like how can you joke about things like this? Well. Actually, he's a clown, so it's really kind of easy. Yeah, right. And, and people who make asses out of themselves, there's there's no shortage of that. Uh, like Lauren, Lauren, hello, Lauren Bobert saying uh, yeah. saying uh, Lieutenant Corporal, Lieutenant Corporal. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, so you know those those things. I I would. Oh, by the way, did you see Fugle sayings? Tw- uh, yeah, you saw that where he did the. Pirates of Penzance. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. And you know what? He did a thing about my last name on his show. Uh, and he did it two weeks in a row when I was on. I'm on every Wednesday night. I'm going on again uh, tonight. Right. And right at the top of my segment, I want to say about a month or two ago, he did this whole ditty about my last name with all these stanzas that rhyme with my name. And oh, yeah. I, I was blown away. I couldn't believe it. And, and yeah. I, I still and I was I, that way. With this thing, with yeah. the uh, with, I don't. I guess I don't have time to to recite it, but it was uh, it was brilliant. Yeah, and uh, you know he was very nice to DM me and say, yeah, but I don't have your musical talent. I, you know, <laughs> I said, well, I don't know about that. I said, the hard thing is coming up with the idea. Yeah, and that's the way it is with, you know, I did think of one idea, and I really wish I'd produced it, which was you know, seize that yacht, the new game show. <laughs> <laughs> Um, right. But you know, you think of something like that. Well, okay, that's I'm going to have to get several people yeah, involved. I yeah. have to write it and everything. And I've I, this past couple of weeks when I've been off, I've really been dedicating it to like spring cleaning and, mm-hmm. and you know getting the house in shape. But yeah, it it all it it really depresses me. It depresses me to see uh, people like the Koch brothers are are not only continuing to do business, but they're opposing any sanctions just so they can line their big fat wallets more, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and to see the politicians that are, and, and Tucker Carlson and people like that who are doing Putin's bidding still. But the other side of that, I think is, um, in, and I think you mentioned it today, or that, 
you know, there's that patriotism thing that comes into play. And Biden's approval rating is going up because of it. And I think a lot of people who may have been on the fence or, or not, maybe not been a complete Trump psycho uh, are starting to look at the world in a different way now. Maybe they're starting to see that maybe uh, Hillary's emails aren't as important as they, you know. Yeah. <laughs> you know. I mean, it's 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 really throwing everything into focus, mm-hmm. and um, so it, you know that's that's something that's good that's coming out. People are realizing what's at stake. Yeah, yeah, and I hope that that reinforces this notion, or at least establishes the notion that the most important thing about whoever it is sitting at the uh, resolute desk in the Oval Office is competent. It, th- that right. person has got to be wired into the crisis and not doing this bullshit pretend pundit nonsense, which is. What yeah. Donald Trump has, but to, sort of to this day, there's there are people who uh, you wouldn't have believed it ten years ago that yeah. are who still think that he's the one who has balls, right? And he's the one who you know who wouldn't be afraid to go in there and kick ass, you know? <laughs> right, and, right. And not, and of course, then you want to if you have the ability to communicate to this person, you're like, okay, exactly what are you saying should happen? Then explain <laughs> explain to me how it happens. <laughs> you know? Yeah, and they and then at that point they just don't want to continue talking. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, that's what I'm I'm saying back to every Republican I end up encountering. They're like, oh yeah, Joe Biden needs to get tougher. He needs to do more. Well, what exactly that won't precipitate you know uh, ballistic missiles with nuclear warheads going off all over the place? Right. And and these same people will never will never talk about uh, what a president should do to reduce the price of health care. Right. Right. Yeah, they, they don't want to talk about that shit. They just want to talk about balls and trucks and <laughs> missiles and boom, boom. You know? They just want to talk about <laughs> balls. Uh, you know what? One last question for you, Mike, before I let you go. As a NASA geek, what do you think of Jeff Bezos sending Pete Davidson into space? Is that yeah. is that devaluing the act of going to space that they're sending Pete Davidson? Well, you know, just hold on because it's going to, you know, I mean, how can Snooky be far behind? <laughs> Yeah, shit. It's not <laughs> that far off, is it? That- I'm much more excited about the uh, the James Webb Space Telescope. They had a press conference today where they're starting to get those mirrors aligned, and oh, we're wow. starting to see a hint of just how much better these images are going to be. Oh. Um, and those are going to be coming in just a couple of months, you know? Yeah, um, yeah. I'm, I'm very excited about that. Yeah, and just it, it, briefly, can you explain what it is that the – uh, James Webb Space Telescope can see back in time. I think a lot of people are confused by this concept. Uh, how does this telescope okay, take it, pictures it all going has back to in do, time? Yeah. It, it all has to do with the Doppler shift. The right. Doppler shift for sound is like when a car goes by and it's honking its horn, you hear that, yeah. right? Yeah. So it's a, it's a shift in pitch. Well, that's from when it's approaching you, it's uh, it's a higher frequency mm-hmm. than uh, than it really is. And then when it goes away from you, it's a lower frequency. And that's because as it's coming towards you, the waves of sound are being scrunched together. Yeah. And as it leaves you, the waves of sound are being stretched out. And stretched out waves means a lower frequency. So you just take that for sound and you apply that to light. So if something is coming towards you, it has a blue shift. And if something is going away from you, it has a red shift, okay? So it all has to do with part, what part of the light spectrum that light is. So the further a galaxy is away from us, 
the faster it's moving away. Yeah. So its redshift is it's really stretched out. Okay. So you take like the Hubble Space Telescope, it had a very limited um, uh, ability to sense things in certain parts of the spectrum. It could only go so far into the infrared. Mm -hmm. Okay. And we've had other, uh, we had a satellite called IRAS in the uh, 80s that was an infrared uh, observatory. So it was built specifically for observing infrared wavelengths. Well, the James Webb Space Telescope, because of the way it's designed and where it is in space and everything, can see much, much further into those red wavelengths. Mm -hmm. And the reason that's important is when you get to uh, objects in space that are near the, within the first hundred million years of the Earth, of the um, universe being formed, within the first hundred million years after the Big Bang, that is so far in the past that that light has been shifted that much further into the into the infrared wavelengths. And so you needed an instrument that was tuned for that yeah. to be able to because because Hubble can only see so far back just for that reason. Mm -hmm. So hopefully I've explained that. Yeah, yeah. And then plus it's the phenomenon where, you know, you may see a star in the night sky and the light you're seeing left that star a million years ago. So right. technically but you're seeing light from a million years ago. Is that kind of a right. more simplistic way of explaining the, the same well, thing? Well, yeah, but, uh, but again, though, because of this redshift, uh, that meant that anything that was older than like a certain t you know, time going back, yeah. you couldn't see it at all. Right. It, it wouldn't, it wouldn't, you would never be able to detect it. Yes. Because it's so far shifted into the, into the infrared. Yeah, yeah. So, but yeah, the I mean, the James Webb space like, telescope, yeah, the James Webb can pick that up now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And not only that, because it's infrared, it can see through clouds of dust. So we'll be able oh, to incredible. see the center of the Milky Way and, and image the um, black hole at the center of the Milky Way galaxy to a great degree of uh, detail and see um, and, and be able to see uh, the, 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 what am I trying to say? We'll be able to see exoplanets, you know, planets around other stars yes. uh, with a lot more clarity. Uh, that, because of that yeah, reason. yeah, and that's what is piquing my interest because I read that we'll actually be able to see some surface features of those exoplanets. Am I right about yeah. that, or did I get that? Well, I, I, I'm not sure if that's specifically a web thing. Um, I, I haven't really on the exoplanet thing. I haven't really looked that much into what Webb was going to do, but there are other telescopes that are uh, that are planned. That will that are going to be built specifically for imaging exoplanets, I see. and they will be able to do that. So okay. those are coming as well, a and uh, ground-based telescopes. Uh, the the very I forget what it's called, but it's this huge optical telescope that's going up in Chile that's got a thirty mil thirty meter mirror. Oh my god! Uh, so you combine that with the uh, laser beam, uh, where that you know you send a laser up and it can uh, adjust the mirror. To count to counter the effects of the diffraction in the atmosphere, mm -hmm. uh, it will be able to image those kinds of things with with more detail as well. Just so a lot incredible. Of, you know, fun yeah. stuff that's coming. It's not just fucking Pete Davidson. <laughs> yeah, you're so right. Well, okay. <laughs> Where can people follow your uh, photography and your song parodies and all of that stuff? Okay, right. the photography website yeah. is Michael M I C H A E L Hardeman H A R D E M A N all one word, michaelhardeman.com. That's my photography. And the Twitter account is Rocky MNTN Mike. 
And uh, it's Rocky underscore Mountain underscore Mike on Instagram. Perfect. All right. Well, thank you so Thanks much, for having my me on. This was a blast. I appreciate it. Yeah, God, I love this. This was so much fun. I, I could talk about National Park Service, and I could talk about uh, NASA and all this crap for hours and hours and hours. So uh, nice nice little treat here. So thanks, my friend. I appreciate it. Have a great one. Uh, you too. Take care. Bye-bye. I gonna steal the night Watching how the light can move In the dark, no denying Your lips, nobody like you Kissing like we saved Having on the ground, mood all around Can we trust what we're saying? No.